0: Welcome to Teachings in the Air. Welcome to Teachings in the Air podcast with Jerry Oldman. Coming to you from Hunkameenam Territory with a podcast series about Indigenous men's health and wellness. We aim to inspire, motivate and empower Indigenous men to be sound in mind, body and spirit. Because that's what health means. This is Teachings in the Air with Jerry Oldman. Today's podcast is calling Finding Your Gift. I was told, I don't know how many years ago now, by one of my teachers, and he is saying the meaning of life is to find your gift and to use it to help the people. So the intention of this is to help students out there Ones that have committed to be a student in secondary or post-secondary school, you know, and to help you to share some teachings and lay them at your feet to help you to find success. The only time we're going to be successful is when we work at it. That's what we, that's what brings success. It doesn't come for nothing. It doesn't come free. We work for it. So I want to inspire you students out there because you've obviously made a commitment and that you made a decision which is important about what you want to do with your life. You know, I'm in Brandon, Manitoba, which is near the dead center of the North American continent. Just below me, there's rugby in North Dakota, and they say it's a dead center. So I'm coming to you from the center of the continent, and if you hear some sounds, it's a rain coming down. It's nourishing the earth, the plants, this rain, you know, and it's part of our life, and you can hear it. So hopefully it's a good rhythm for you. It's not distracting, but that's what it is. So my goal is to inspire students on your quest, in your quest of pursuing what your gift and your purpose is in this life, that I want to inspire you so that you'll keep going. And I want to lay teachings at your feet that were shared with me about success, about being successful. When our spirit is sound, and you've heard me say this if you listen to my podcasts, when our spirit is strong, we have this incredible will to live, which means we're going to participate in life. We're going to become part of society when we'll be successful at it. We want to be part of a circle. When we want to feel good and self-reliant and that we're taking care of ourselves and our family and our friends, we're contributing to society. All human beings are born with a gift or gifts. And it's meant to be that you use that gift to help people. I've learned that when we do not find our gift, we suffer. It's like we don't know what we're here for. What's this all about? What's this life about? So in days of old, we'd help people find their gift, put them through vision quests, through ceremonies, have people talk to them. But most importantly, I think people would watch and see where your strengths are and find mentors and teachers for you. You know, on a quest to find my gift, I thought about my life as a child. I come from a wonderful family and I was part of the family. My parents were traditional and they talked to me in a respectful manner. And they made sure I was a participant, that I had chores to do, doesn't no matter how old. Part of one of my first chores was to pack kingling that small pieces of wood start to fire and my older brothers are carrying the heavier load. So that's where I come from. My mother and father were self-reliant and they worked for the well-being of the family. So we were never without food. I never remember, there's no memory in Jerry about being hungry with my family. My dad worked. At times he'd be up at four o'clock in the morning to go out to work in the logging industry so that he could put food on the table. And he hunted and he fished. So in reality, we were well off, never hungry. And my mother was the same. I was making clothing, canning food, drying food, cooking, self-reliance. They had gifts and they used them. We were raised in a fair atmosphere and we were all active participants in our home my five brothers and one sister. That's where I grew up. After I turned six years of age, I was sent off to school, where for the first time in my life, I knew fear. For the first time in my life, I started to question my abilities. I started to feel shame. And this come about because of making mistakes, childlike mistakes. My first mistakes that brought on this feeling of fear to me was in arithmetic where I, all my answers were wrong and the teacher let me know I and red X's in all my pieces of work and struck me for making a mistake. So now I start to carry fear and hurt and shame about making mistakes, about being wrong. I thought I was wrong or something wrong with me. I was struck for the first time in my life across my face and both sides of my head with the open palm. And I remember my aunties telling me later on in life that our people did not believe in spanking with the open hand or hitting a child. My auntie says when you do that, you drive the badness into the child, the mistakes, and they become stronger. In my culture, they had what they called chalkum stick; it's a Saskatoon, Saskatoon bush branch, and that's what they'd use. I remember it was used on me, and it's a switch, and it would. Struck against my legs and it stung. But I remember the first time that happened, and my dad, my late father, was. I I hurt my brother, almost hurt him badly by hitting him when I swung a two by four at him. And I missed my dad scene, and he called me right away. He said, Get a chalk stick. I knew what that was, so I went, and I got it. And he started switching me on the leg. And he says, and I, he started talking to me. And I noticed there was a, my dad's voice was different. And he was saying, don't, don't you ever try to hurt anyone like that again. Switch, switch, and I was crying. But I looked at his face, and I could see his eyes. And there was tears in his eyes, or it was watery. And uh, I, something happened, then. my relationship with my father changed at that moment. I worshipped him. If he hit me with his hand, it would have been personal, and I probably would have been angry with him. But I see, and he was correcting me, that he cared. So, because of this experience in grade one, my education experience, was modeled for me or was created where I wasn't a participant anymore in education. I never participated. I tried to hide in the classroom. I'd sit at the back. I'd arrive early so I could sit at the back. And that carried on all the way to high school. Because of that fear of being disciplined and shamed in front of my, my students. And I lost sight of the purpose of education and how school was actually the road to finding my gift, my purpose in life, that that's where it was in this day and age. That's what it was for, and I lost that purpose. So I wasn't an active participant, and as a result, my grades were poor, and I didn't catch on right away to all of the arithmetic and mathematics. I lost the elements, or you could say the the what is important. And you know, because to learn how to do things, you need to, first off, learn step one. Step two, step three, step four, step five. So step one and two were missing. My understanding, what they were teaching me, wasn't really there. So that had a big experience. Big That experience had a big impact on my life as a student. Because the word student means a consistent observer, which means that... When you're a student, when the teacher is speaking to you, you're constantly, you're, whenever they're speaking to you, you're watching and listening. That's what a consistent observer is. So the second that you stop watching and listening to the teacher, you're no longer a student. You know? So I lost sight of the purpose of education, and I was not a student in the true sense. So that's my experience with education. Fear-based, fear to make a mistake. They call that today a perfectionist. perfectionist is not gonna do it unless it's perfect. And I had that sickness. As a result, there's a lot of things I did not do or even make an attempt at doing. You know, and I, so now you get a picture from six years old to 26. I had no idea about the purpose of life. You know, or that I'm to go look for it and get trained in it. So when I hit 27 years of age, I voluntarily gave myself up to do a ceremony and what people would call a vision quest. And I asked an elder in my community to put me through this. Cuz he told me, I think when I was 13, he says, "You know what? I'd like to teach you some things about our way." So I went to see him when I was 27. So we went up the mountain and built this fasting lodge, Vision Quest Lodge, you know, a place to look at myself. Because at that time, you know, all of this stuff caught up to me, and I wasn't living a good life. I achieved sobriety, but I was still unhappy inside. Still wasn't sure what I'm supposed to do with my life. So put me in that ceremony, and I looked at myself. By the end of it, I'd seen in my mind that I'm to be with people in a circle, and it was traditional music. And I'd seen that, and I got the idea that I'm to work with people that I'm to use circles and I'm to use music as well as my voice. When I seen that, I understood that's my gift. And when we're walking away from the fasting lodge, I was weeping and I was singing because all of a sudden I had purpose. And I looked around and I could see seemed like every pebble on the ground in front of me. I could see the green and the trees and the bush, the blue sky, the lake. I was, became grounded, connected to the earth. And it was such a beautiful feeling. And that I had a mission. I had something to do on this earth. And it was such a beautiful feeling that it brought tears to my eyes. I start to see what I'm going to do for the rest of my living life, work with people. It was a good feeling. And now I walk with purpose every day. I have somewhere to go, and I got something to do. So my mind is constantly working at, like these podcasts, for instance, or when I go work with people, what can I do? What can I say to help? So I answer the call, because people ask me to go help. And that's my purpose. So what I'm now going to share with you are what I've seen and heard in regards to finding one's gift. You know that, because we all have it. And that's my intent of doing this, is to bring that message to you, that you have a purpose. And it doesn't matter what it is. That's your purpose. That's your gift. You know, for years I worked as a laborer. You know, and it was. Um, I, I I enjoyed part of it. You know, it's not like it's all doom and gloom. I worked as a railroad worker, and I enjoyed being with other men doing the work. But I knew I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life, so it wasn't my gift. We'd be out there and as hot in the sun, summer sun, sweating. In the wintertime, I remember working on the railroad and my feet would be cold, my hands would be cold. I <laughs> saying, there must be something else I can do. Because at that time, I didn't know what my gift was. You know. So, But my point is that we all have a gift. Some of you out there are meant to be a chef, a teacher. A healer, a builder, maintenance, keeping things running, keeping things smooth. You know, you all have a gift. So now I'd like to just talk about some of the barriers and challenges we face as indigenous people, and I think it fits for other people as well. In the first area, I'd like to talk about when you go to the institution when you go to the college or the university or high school, that in this country and in the world now, there's a sickness I've started to call othering. And this is about when people do not accept their neighbor or other people. And it's it's unfortunate that many today will experience discrimination and prejudice where people are prejudging you just by the way you look. They judge you and say you're not the same, you're not as good. And when we go to these institutions or these higher institutions of learning, some of the students will other you Maybe some of the faculty are the teachers. I want to tell you that that, you don't believe them. You stick within yourself that you have a purpose and you're working towards it. Because this is a challenge to you. And I want you not to back down from that challenge. Keep going. Prove to them that you can do it. You know, this othering includes racism. You know, they'll other you because you're indigenous or you're half indigenous. Or I know immigrants get othered, recent immigrants, which is (laughs) is sort of silly because everybody here is not indigenous as an immigrant. They're from somewhere else. Some people will other you because of your appearance, how you do your hair, your height, your clothing, but you stay true to yourself. If you want to dress in black, dress in black. You know, you be comfortable in your own skin. You know, and uh, the othering. It's unfortunate, it's there, but it's reality. The two-spirited get othered. And I know in our way, we accepted people the way they are. We did not try to change them, but accept them. So I want you, if you're two-spirited out there, to understand that you're special. Often you would be considered special and gifted. So don't listen to the people that are othering you. I guess that's hard to do because they'll say it. But I guess I mean more, don't let them beat you. Accept that challenge and go through it. It's like the elders say, when you're out in a canoe, when the storm is coming and it's coming at you, paddle through it. Because if you turn around and you run away from the storm, it'll follow you and you'll be in the storm for a longer period of time. So accept that challenge. Another one that we face as indigenous people is a cross-cultural shock. (laughs) It's two different distinct cultures. We must accept that. We're indigenous and they're Euro-based. You know, that means they're from Europe or from Asia. And we, you know, we talk different, we listen different. That's just the way it is. There are distinct cultures in Canada, even amongst the indigenous. There is an indigenous way and a Canadian way. And then there's a crazy new way. People doing things that don't make sense, that's harmful, that's hurtful. Then I look at it today part of my path. I learned to become bicultural, to work with the Canadians and to be with my people. So when I go with my people, I'm Stadlium. When I go with the Canadians I'm statly, I'm Canadian, you know, so I can adjust as part of my saving grace. Because if I didn't make that adjustment, perhaps I wouldn't be successful today. So I've learned to have patience when I'm with Canadian culture. And I've learned to really appreciate Indigenous ways you know, and treasure it. So when you encounter that, you know that when you're going into a Canadian institution, you must adjust your communication patterns. I remember the first time I got integrated into a white high school. That's when I got integrated. All my, up until grade 10, I was with indigenous students only. So when I went with Canadians in grade 10, it was a shock. My friend and I were both in grade 10. We went to the school, high school in town. They bused us from the residential school. And I remember him and I, you know, there's a bell that rings and all of a sudden there's this high school with, <laughs> seemed like thousands of students. I don't think there were thousands, but there was, seemed to us there was lots. And his students, and the bell rings, they have to change classrooms. And my friend and I were standing out this recess, and we sort of stood against a wall because there's people moving all over. And my friend and I were standing there, and it seemed to us everybody was talking at once. And I remember saying to him, "Who's listening?" And he says, "I don't know. <laughs> you know it was a shock to us. You know that everybody seemed to be talking at once. So we need to be aware of that and accept that, that there's different cultures. Can make our adjustments if we're gonna make it. Part of me then make that adjustment and I then carry on after high school. So be aware that it's different. Different expectations. You know, uh, about time, about getting things done. Seems to be not too much patience at times in the other system, the Canadian system. So you be aware of that and adjust. The other barrier and challenge that we all face is post-trauma. The wounding the historical wounding. And I've stated that not one of us is immune to it as indigenous people, to the impacts of colonial experience. And any wound that's not treated eventually causes serious damage. So I strongly recommend that if you're a student, you find a way to deal with the harms that happened in your life. And I've seen it happen where students do it while they're going to school. The most important part of this is you start to say hello to those problems so you can say goodbye to them. You know, and that's a, I know it's a big order But we can do it, we can beat this trauma and we can carry on, start to say things, I'm not gonna let you beat me, takes more than a residential school, takes more than racism or any of the things to beat me. To be successful I believe we need to take on that attitude. Another area that's common, I think, for a lot of students, indigenous students, is our family issues. You know, and one of my teachers working in a post-secondary institution, I worked at British Columbia Institute of Technology. And my coworker says, you know, Jerry, when the students come here, Their job is to focus totally on their subjects. And they must complete them all to get that paper at the end. He says before they come here, they were holding up and holding away their problems that they had in their communities, which are family, you know, different things. But when they come to school to this institute, they have to just focus in school and now they don't know how to handle the family issues. And sometimes it can stop them and they withdraw. So you remember your focus is going to be on your education when you go there. That was, that's a requirement for you to maintain a focus while you're in post-secondary especially. Because once you fall behind, that's it. BCIT, you know, four strikes and you're out. You miss four days and you're out. You miss handing in assignments. You know, so you must be disciplined. And you must find a way to have your family support you. Explain to them what you're doing and what your dreams are that you want to have good employment, you want to have a good vehicle, you want them to have good clothes so they'll support you in your quest. Get your family to help you at home to support you. Have a meeting with them about this post-secondary education that you're going to find your gift and you're going to use it. So, rather than have family issues hamper your quest for finding your gift and using it get them to support you and to help you another barrier for us and challenge for some is addictions no addictions are money and time thieves for a student because it costs to smoke to drink to do addictive things and it's like it is like a thief you know and you once you become a student you got to use that time and focus all that time on your studies reading writing doing projects so some people get it and i know cuz i've worked with a lot of students they're addicted to tv and i tell them no you cover that tv with a blanket so you won't turn it on Because you must read, you must write as a student, even after class. So, they steal the time required to complete your studies and your projects and your assignments. So you think of this before you go, if you have addictions, that you're going to stop. Another common problem for a lot of our students, post-secondary, and some high 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 school students, is relocation. Having to move to town or a city for off the res. You know when you do that finding suitable accommodation for yourself and if your family with you can be a problem so you must think ahead you can find this before you go there set it up before you get there plan so that that experience can be a, hopefully a good one for you it is a challenge and um The more you face challenges, the stronger you get. So you learn to budget, to fit your accommodation and your food, because these are critical for your success. You must take care of your basic needs. Food, shelter, clothing, all the transportation. You must keep these in mind before you get there. one of the part of this thing around relocation can be loneliness you get homesick you know that you miss having uncles and aunties that you can go eat with or talk to or listen to or friends to play volleyball with or whatever you do you know so this can be a barrier And I've seen students get homesick. I I was talking to a student two years ago here at a college, and she was weeping because she missed her daughter. So she was making a sacrifice as a single mom to get an education, to get a job. But I could see that hurt and that loneliness for her baby. So I talked to her and said, you know, our people used to go fasting in the mountains or out in the land for days at a time and sometimes for months and years to get a gift for the people. So I see that's what you're doing now, and I wanted to tell you I respect you and I'm proud of you. So you fight this loneliness in you. You FaceTime and things like that. I said, can you do that? She says, well, I don't have it or I'm staying. So we said, so one of the workers were with me and said, you can come to the college, the main campus after supper and there's hi- Wi-Fi there. So you can at least talk and see your daughter. So she found a creative way and she was helped to combat that loneliness. So that loneliness is a, I know that feeling of homesick. Oh, there were times that I'd left that I was homesick. And I know that feeling. So I just encourage you to fight it. To remember what you're there for. And to find your gift. And it's a sacrifice that you are sacrificing for yourself and your family. And I would like to put it out there for all the indigenous people. Because when you're successful, our youngsters will see see you and follow you and say, if he can do it or she can do it, I can do it. Because loneliness, you know, is something that I know it's that feeling of being alone is a powerful feeling. And the last barrier I'll talk about is insecurities. You know, and insecurities are about mental health issues. And everybody goes through this. Everybody. There are studies now that say post-secondary students are suffering from anxiety and depression. So I'm just talking about all students here, and that we go through that too. That there are things that happen in our life that may affect our belief in our own abilities, and what we can do and what we cannot do. You know, the goal is to be comfortable in your own skin and to accept yourself as you are. You know, so that when you do this, you know, then you start to appreciate this education and understand it and participate in it. That's the key, is to participate in your education, to listen to the instructors, the teachers, the faculty, and others that want to help you. So those are some of our barriers. I'm sure there are others. But now I'd like to talk about the road to success to you, Joining this process, making a commitment that I am going to go to post secondary, I'm going to find my gift and I'm going to use it. When you do that, you'll have a job. And the word job is an old English word that means to have a mouthful of food. When you get a job, it simply means that you can buy the food that you want because people want to hire you now because you have a skill. And once you do that you're gonna have a job. A mouthful of food. It's a good it's a good word, actually. I never knew what it meant till I was reading this book. So on this road to success, I'm gonna encourage you to train yourself to be a student. I know it sounds a bit odd that one can train to be a student, but you can in your preparation before you go. And what are you gonna train? you know, to be ready for this experience. And that means you're going to strengthen your mind. You can start to use your brain. You can start to do crossword puzzles, Sudoku, different read, start to do more reading to start to prepare your brain for what's coming ahead of you. You can start to listen. Listen to podcasts, watch YouTube things about what you want to do with your life. Start to train yourself so when you get there, because it is a challenge, it's not easy. and No one ever guaranteed that this was going to be easy. So you start training your mind to be clear. If you wake up every day with something in your mind, you find a way to get it out of there. Like I say, every day you wake up, you can change your mind. You can start to let things go. Then you start to train uh, train your body to have strength and endurance to be a student. I've heard of students in post-secondary staying up till late at night reading and writing, preparing for examinations and doing the work. So if you have physical strength, It'll help you to face that challenge. So you start to practice to sit like an eagle. You know, because when you have core strength in your core, you know, you, you can study for longer hours effectively. Go for walks, get your cardiovascular health up your lungs. Start to train yourself to be the student. So when you go there, you can take this on. You say, bring it on, teacher. Tell me what to read. Tell me what to do. I'm going to do it. You'll have the strength to do it. Oh, I've been so impressed. I've seen students go to university with handicaps, physical handicaps and still do it, still accomplish. They have a strong mind, they say when we lose something, if we lose our eyes, for instance, our hearing gets more sensitive. Other parts start to get stronger. But if you have all of these, you know, you train it. You get ready. And you train your spirit. That means there's no quit in you. You start to challenge yourself and sitting quietly and listening. And if someone makes fun of you, you don't listen to that because your spirit is strong. There's no quit in you. You have this incredible will to live and to succeed. You want success. When your spirit is strong, it's not that it's going to be easy. It's just that you will keep going, and nothing will stop you. I remember my elders. It seems like they wanted me to train for everything I do. And the training that they were telling me was to run. Early in the morning, they said, this is day's break and be out there running. And then to get stronger, they would say, and carry rocks in your hands and squeeze them when you're running. So your forearms will get stronger in your grip. And to run. And then to bathe in the cold water was to prepare my mind to get it strong. To drink the medicines, to make teas, and chew on roots. And all this training was—I when I was in the cut hay, <laughs> they said, OK, you know, have a sweat. Do ceremonies before you cut hay, so you have good weather to cut hay." You know, so I started doing that. When you go fishing, have a sweat. Go for a run. You know, so there I was training for everything I do. So I encourage you to train and to carry on even when you're in school. On your road to success, you'll learn to take care of your basic needs. You're going to need food, nourishment when you're there. And the strong foods will help you to be strong. Weak foods will weaken you. I encourage students today, let's say you're in grade 12 and you're listening to this podcast and you're living out in the country. You tell your family, I'm going to Vancouver or Kamloops or Kelowna or wherever and I'm gonna go to school and find, I'm gonna develop my gift and I'm gonna use it. And start to can deer meat and salmon and berries to take with you as part of your basic needs because that's healthy food and it'll give you strength. I seen a student once in Burnaby and he was hungry. And he says, uh, being a student is poor life. And I said, yes, I know. And he says, I get hungry. And he wanted to leave So I told him I knew where he is from. I said, you write to your relatives and tell them to ship you some canned deer meat and fish. He looks at me, and I said, really? And then tell him that you're going to pay him back, though, when you're finished. So that's an example of what we can do to take care of our basic needs, because this is critical. (laughs) No one can be successful if they're hungry all the time. You know, so you take care of those needs of shelter, food, and transportation. Think about it before you get there. You know, you request, you ask help from your relatives. But I always say, when I'm done, I'm going to help you. I'm going to return the favor and you help me when you're a working professional. I love the word professional, you're a pro. You're reliable, you can do it. Another suggestion for your road to success is to develop support, a support group for yourself. And remember, we can do what I cannot do. So it's important to have support from your family and friends and explain to them. Let them know you cannot go to the Canucks game tonight. i got a paper to write. You let them know, no, I'm not watching the playoffs because I have papers to write. I have work to do. You get that kind of support. Let them know so they won't be asking you because I know it's hard for a lot of us to say no. And if you can, when you're there, don't be afraid to go out with the lo- to the local elders and ceremonies. If they're true ceremonial people, they'll take you in and they'll help you. I know it's true because I've done that. So you know, keep in mind the cultural resources that are in every place in this country. And also on your road, you make sure you use those resources at the institute. I know they have tutors there. So if you're lacking in math or English, go to the tutor. Admit to them, I'm struggling. And they're trained to help you. They're professionals. They will help you to be successful. So get over that shame that you don't know, because there's a lot of ignorant people in the world. And also on uh, this part here about institute resources, apply for the bursaries, indigenous bursaries and um, scholarships. It'll help you with computers and different things that you need. That's what they're there for. I don't know how it is today, but when I worked in a post-secondary education. Uh, institution we had to look for students to apply for those bursaries and scholarships because they were targeted for indigenous students so you go to the indigenous support group on that campus and they'll let you know the other part of your success story post-secondary is you learn how to schedule you develop a schedule for your student life this isn't like this is when I go to sleep this is when I wake up this is when I read this is when I write you know you start making the schedule these are my class times and also you put in that schedule time for recreation or rest and wellness. You know, because to carry on and to be positive, you need to distract yourself for bits of time from that education process. Go out and have fun and play volleyball, do something for an hour. And it'll help you. So on this road, you say to yourself, change is part of my life now. I'm not going to be stuck in one place. I'm going to change. I want to be successful. And to achieve your goal, you're going to have to change. We all do. (laughs) You know, it's something we accept. I'm I'm a student now. I'm a consistent observer. I'm committed to that. And I will not change from this until I become a professional and get a job. When you become a professional, it means you're very good at what you do. You're a pro now. And <laughs> you got proof. You got the paper to prove it. That's when people will want to hire you. You become a valuable commodity to a community to a business because you're a professional you're there on time you leave when you're done you know you do good work it's a good feeling being pro people can rely on you and they praise you and you do good work So you develop this professional attitude and remember that attitude means you're acting and talking the way you think. You know, so that's where we're changing negatives to positives. Develop mantras for yourself to use to help you through this quest. Whether it's four years, seven years, or whatever it is. Start saying things like, each day I get stronger. Each step I get stronger. Start finding things to help you through the tough times, words to say to yourself, otherwise you start beating yourself up. So, words, self-talk can be positive. Negative talk can be destructive. So you... We all at times need an attitude adjustment. And uh, another part on this road is to be appreciative, to give thanks, to be thankful. First off, there's a chance for you to develop yourself. And whoever is helping you, if it's your community, the band office, wherever, you be thankful for that. You appreciate. Um, the instructors in that institution, and all those that support you, let them know, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a good word for a student, you know, because then people want to help you. They think you're just a taker. It's not gonna happen. And it's important too that you make a commitment to be a student, that you're not gonna veer from this. Because the second you stop listening and watching you're not learning. There's a saying out there that says it's dangerous not to listen. And that's true. You know when you listen there are teachings in there that can save your life or save the life of one of your friends or family. So you become a good listener. Listener. And um, another suggestion for your road to success is learn how to say no. Sometimes it takes courage to say no to your best friend and they say, hey, let's go to the bar, you know, and we'll watch a game, <laughs> you know. You say, no, no, no. My instructor just gave me this to read and I have to write a report by tomorrow. Say no. And explain. And when you do that, usually people will support you. If they're not, that's not your friend. (laughs) You don't believe me. Your friends will support you and actually push you. And agree with you and you say no. You don't want anything to distract you from your mission, which is to become a professional. Now is the time to put all of your energy into your quest to be a professional using your gift that you're born with. And remember that you have rights in this country to education. There are some silly people out there who will say, you know what? My taxes paying for your education. You don't listen to them. Because where we hunted and fished and food gathered and medicine gathered, that's what built these institutions in Canada, where our people used that land. Occupied and used territories for thousands of years, that's how they got to build these beautiful institutions like UBC, um, any of the colleges. So you have a right to that education. I always say this to students, because some of them get embarrassed by what people say to them. And they say, no, you have a right. So you make a commitment right now. Remember that commitment is love. You're committed to your own personal success. That you're committed And I know you can do this by the simple fact that many have done it before you. Yes, this will be a sacrifice. Like most sacrifices that are made, there will be a reward and it's a delayed reward. You'll have a consistent paycheck. You can do things. That's a reward from sacrifice of being a student. And when you have this, you can take care of your family. You can participate in the world any way that you want to. You can travel to other continents. You can save and build things, do things for the future. So you be the best student that you can be. Don't compare yourself to others. Just do your best. And once you are done this, you share your knowledge with others because there's people that share it with you. We always pay back in an indigenous way. That's our way. So to close off this podcast, I'd like you to lift up your left hand and get your index finger and in your thumb and hold it apart. Then stretch your arms out to understand that your education is between your finger, your forefinger and your thumb. And the rest of your life is the rest of the space from that space to the end of your other hand. You remember that. Education is just that long, so you focus on it. You can do it. If it's two years or four years or a year, you can do it. I know you can. And I want you to succeed. Because I got granddaughters and grandsons and great grandchildren watching, and then they say, Oh, if they can do it, I can do it. We must overwhelm all of our children <laughs> with this road to success of finding their gift. And we do that, you know, we're going to see one day, I tell people, one of our people being prime minister of this country. Because they got success in their mind and they got discipline and they have an education. I'm looking forward to that day and premiers. We've already had a, a lieutenant governor and judges and things that are our people. That's good. We need more of them. And I know we can do this. That's why I wanted to do this podcast today about student success because it opens up possibilities for all of us. We are creative. We are good people. And it's time for us to share this with others. We have the gift of vision. We can see. We can help the people with the gift of movement that are just going all the time. And we need our people there, so that's why I dream of success, student success, and I support it. Whenever I see, go to a graduation, I weep because I feel so good. I honestly do that. You know, it's such a good thing to see success. So of our students out there listening to you, I wish you the best on your quest and you don't give up. Don't compare yourself to others and remember your job is to do your best. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to go to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You know, Let us know what's going on out there with you. Let us know about your success because that will help others. We'll catch you in a rebound. This is Jerry Waldman signing out from Brandon, Manitoba. Thank you.